Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hey, you guys, welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Allison Baggerly, author, speaker, podcaster, and founder of The Inspired Budget. Allison is amazing. Her work is very appropriately named because she's so inspiring. She's down to earth and practical and shares her story in such an honest and relatable way. So who is Allison? Allison Baggerly is an author, speaker, podcaster, and founder of Inspired Budget. As a former teacher, Allison has combined her talents of teaching and passion for personal finances to help others learn to start budgeting and build a life they love. She's been featured in Forbes and Parents as a budget expert who offers a step-by-step process to break free from the paycheck-to-paycheck cycle. People turn to Allison and Inspired Budget for advice, inspiration every single day. She has built a thriving community of people who desire to live a life they love by developing a healthy outlook on their finances and their life as a whole. And in our conversation today, Allison and I talk about redefining what a budget means for you on your terms, the ability to take control of our own lives by not limiting future opportunities and not letting money control us, how to focus our dollars in alignment with our intentions, which is a topic that I absolutely love talking about. You guys know that. And finding balance in your life and so much more. You guys can find Allison at her website, uh, inspiredbudget.com. You can go get a copy of her new book, Money Made Easy. And you can check that out on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and anywhere you get your books. And you can also listen to her podcast, The Inspired Budget Podcast, where she helps women live their best life and reach their money goals. You can also find her on social media at Inspired Budget. All the links will be in the show notes as well. All right, you guys, without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Allison Baggerly. Enjoy. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about all things money and emotions. (sighs) My favorite topics. We have a lot in common. We both have two little boys. We both are extremely passionate about helping other people to take control of their money. And so I would love to just have you start by telling a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Well, I never thought I would do what I do. It was a complete shock and pivot in my life that really threw me off guard. Um, I did not grow up really learning about money. And I mean, you know, back when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet there. Learning about money was truly a privilege. And I went off to college and I was an emotional spender. I mean, would overdraft my account, spend money when I was happy, mad, glad, sad, bored, excited. I mean, you name it. I turned to money to fill, really receive the emotion that I wanted to receive or celebrate the emotion I was already having. Fast forward to getting married. My husband and I accidentally got pregnant on our honeymoon. We were both two teachers at the time and realized 
that we would not be able to afford daycare payments. Mm -hmm. Our minimum debt payments were over $1,400 a month. We had over six figures worth of debt. And we knew in this moment that something had to change. I couldn't possibly stay home from work. And we had to essentially just free up enough cash flow every month by the time our baby came to be able to afford daycare. And so I said, fine, we will live on a budget for only this period of time. (laughs) We will pay off debt. And when we are done paying off debt, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to live on a budget. I'm not going to sacrifice like no more of that. And during that process, it was a long process because we weren't making six figures ever during that process. And we ended up paying it all off in four and a half years while growing our family. So we had another child um, join us. And so we had two kids in daycare paying off all of this debt. And during that process, I love the freedom that my budget actually gave me. When I started the entire journey, I thought I would hate budgeting, but truly it gave me freedom. It made me feel so much more confident. I felt like I had a sense of control over an aspect of my life that I never had control over before. And I was just always winging it. And so when we did pay off all that debt, I couldn't stop talking about it. I continued to want to explore what personal finance looked like for me now and for others. And so that's when I started Inspired Budget, where I could truly help specifically women learn how to pay off debt, save money, write a budget that allows them to feel that same sense of freedom and control that I I grew to love. That is really cool. Good for you. (laughs) And before we get into kind of what that looks like, right, that strategy, let's talk about for a second the word budget, like just in general, because I feel like even the saying the word, I call it like the dreaded B word, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be that way. And I feel like a lot of people avoid it. So when you first went into this situation, right, were you scared? Were you nervous? Did you have that same kind of intimidation around the budget before you embraced it? Like, what was that experience for you? Oh my gosh, I hated it. I hated the entire experience just at the beginning. Let me say that. At the beginning, I didn't like it because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any confidence. So really the way I see it is when people don't like the word budget, it's because they're completely unaware of what a budget really is. We see budgets as this consequence for our past spending choices. And it's not, it's not a consequence at all. Your debt payments are a consequence of your past spending choices. Those things are a consequence. Those things are, or a, you know, they are, I guess what's the word I'm trying to think of. They come from that. Having that debt payment came from those choices. Your budget is just a plan. So it's not something that looks to the past. It's something that looks to the future. It's forward thinking. And so I think that so often we associate budgeting with our past when really we need to be associating it with our future and what we want our money to be doing and where we want it to go. And it took time for me to change the way I thought about that. And do you want to know why I had that wrong, like that idea? It's because I was writing budgets that were completely unrealistic. So no wonder I hated them. So many people write a budget where they don't give themselves any spending money or they say, I have to live on absolutely nothing. I can never go out to eat. And I I don't blame you for hating your budget if that's what it looks like. So once I started writing a realistic budget, I grew to love it and, and really crave that control that it gave me. I was just gonna say that, yeah. And I think 
there's so much alignment between budgets and like diets, right? We think again, like to an extent, it's like a punishment, like, oh, I was bad. I ate the ice cream. I now need to put myself on like a salad diet from now until Mm -hmm. whenever I lose that weight, right? It's restrictive. We think of it as being Mm -hmm. restrictive, but really in my mind, it's just knowledge. And I love the the way you described it. It's a plan. It's knowing what you have coming in and what you have going out. And as long as you can, in my mind, my whole thing is like around intention, right? Mm -hmm. So if we are intentional around what we want our dollars to be spent on, ultimately, that comes down to how we want to feel, right? Because it's in my mind, it's not the thing that we're buying, the product or the service. It's the feeling that we want mm-hmm. underneath it all. Exactly. Um, but what once we kind of can can move through that, like the ultimate kind of shame of what we've done in the past, we can start to formulate a, an intentional plan going forward. So I am totally with you there. How just out of curiosity as you were putting this together, how did it change for you as your family was growing? Because we all know that childcare is expensive. We all know that just in general, having children is expensive. I mean, just all the stuff that they need. So I'm curious how that had shifted for you. And if there was any kind of mindset shifts as well, once you kind of started to see maybe like the expenses tick up and the income maybe stay the same. It was definitely very frustrating I remember thinking, okay, we have this down. We had one kid in daycare. I felt like we had a good system. And I didn't want to wait to be debt-free to have another child. I wanted to make sure that we could afford it and that we were making a wise choice financially. Like I didn't want to completely put us to where we had no money at all. I knew that we could make it work. But it was very frustrating to then think, okay, we were able to send $2,000 a month or let's, or let's just say, yeah, let's say $2,000 a month to debt payments and then adding in another child, that's going to decrease that by $1,000. And what I had to look at is, okay, this is going to extend what our final debt-free date was going to be, which was very frustrating for me because it already felt like it was taking forever. So at that moment, I had to either accept that our debt-free date would be extended and that it wasn't the end of the world, or we had to figure out a way to increase our income. Now we're two teachers. Teachers are on this set salary schedule. You can't walk into HR and say, excuse me, I need a pay raise. That's not a thing. You don't negotiate like that. Maybe in a private school, but in a public school in Texas, that's not a thing. But what you can do is you can change school districts and go to a school district that pays more money. And that's exactly what we did. Mm -hmm. So my husband made a move to a neighboring school district and he got a $10,000 pay increase because that school district paid more. And that amount, that pay increase covered James's daycare so that we could continue making the same progress. And then the next year I followed suit. I moved and made like maybe an $8,000 pay increase. So we were able to ask ourselves, what do we want? Do we want to extend our timeline or do we want to get a little bit creative and find a way to increase our income? And so we decided to go with the increase our income. I think that's great. I mean, that's so smart of you guys and also creative because I do think that Mm -hmm. people tend to get boxed in to and, and, and have such limited mindsets around what we can do, right? Including Mm -hmm. myself, we often feel like there's very limited options or there's, it's either this or it's that, but it's not, 
there's actually mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of gray in between the black and the exactly. white. Exactly. Right? And so I love, that's such a great example of how you guys kind of worked with what you have. To clarify for a minute, when you're talking about debt-free, you're talking about high interest credit card debt, right? You're not talking about paying off a mortgage, I assume, right? Yeah. Or, yes. or any other so, good mm -hmm. debt. Yeah. So we had our mortgage and then we had student loans and car loans. So we paid off, I, I think we paid off credit cards. My husband paid off his credit cards before we really started this journey, like right beforehand. And so we don't lump those in and then we paid off his car. But once we started tracking it, it was car debt and student loans. Yeah. So we still have a mortgage. Um, we actually just refinanced two years ago. So now we only have like 11 years left on our mortgage, which is very exciting. And, you know, we're just paying that and then investing everything else. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that debt that just kind of hangs over you that we just wanted gone, honestly. Yeah. And I will say, I love what you said that people get boxed in because I do want to recognize that it was scary to change jobs. So often, you know, we get in our little space and our job becomes however healthy or unhealthy this is like our family, because we are spending so much time around these people and we're spending time in this setting. And especially when you like the people you work with, it can be really scary to leave that, to go into the quote unquote unknown. But we had to, that was something that was a risk we were willing to take. That was something we were willing to do, knowing that we would be leaving something that was comfortable. We would be leaving something where we knew the people, we had fr established friendships with our coworkers. But for us, it was worth it. We had to weigh the pros and the cons there. And the pros outweighed it because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just a job. Right. Let's dig into that a little bit more. I actually love this topic. It's something that I haven't really discussed a whole lot on the show because I think that... I'm kind of stuck in a similar mindset, right? Like we go to work for a certain job, right? Whether it's a school or a company or whatever. And we feel like obligated to, especially as women to an extent, mm -hmm. I feel like we do what we're told and we want to climb that ladder and we want to continue to do a good job for those people. But I think sometimes we may overstay our welcome. And I think mm -hmm. there's a lot that comes into the into play with this. I actually just put an episode out around salary transparency and how those laws are now being um, not across the country, but they're starting to become more universal. And I do think that we oftentimes stay in jobs or stay in roles longer than we should or longer than mm -hmm. we than is probably healthy for us. And then we start to feel this like pressure this pressure, like, okay, well, I have this knowledge and maybe nobody else can do this job except for me, which is kind of crazy. Yes. I go through that. I go through that as well. But I mean, ultimately, I think what we're all really looking for is freedom. And when mm -hmm. we start to feel changed to a job or changed to a, a certain role, it can be incredibly unhealthy. So, mm -hmm. right. I think it's, it's really good. You're a very good example of that, of sort of keeping it in perspective a little bit. You just said, mm -hmm. it's just a job. Yeah, it is just a job. And the thing is, is in a in a world where sometimes things feel like it's ever changing, you know, you have kids and they have a lot going on and there's they're going through these natural changes over time. And maybe you have a lot of changes going on in your personal life with your relationships. It can be a lot to throw in a work change because that does take up, whether we like it or not, a, a major 
part of our life and hours of our life it takes up. So to throw in another change there, it can feel very scary, but we have to almost like the way I see it is we have to separate it. We have to separate the emotions from it. Actually, what you, what you said touches on a point, an example, we are actually currently living in our life. My husband is a band director. He's a middle school band director and he works about 45 minutes to an hour away from home, depending on traffic. And he recently decided to leave band directing, leave the middle school scene, which is all he's ever known, and go down to be an elementary music teacher. So a completely different environment, completely different subject, if you will, because it's a different beast in and of itself, completely different school, different school district, but it's bringing him to where he's only four miles away from home. And he will get back an hour and a half in his day, leaving one of his best friends that he's been working with for the past four years and then also in the past and taking a pay cut in the entire process. But what it comes down to is it's just a job. And in the past, I think that he and so many others saw their identity in their job. Yes. And as he's aged and as our kids have gotten older, he's been able to look at, look back and he would tell you this himself and say like, wait a minute, this isn't who I meant to be. This isn't everything I am. He wants to be able to be there for the kids. He doesn't want to have to work nights. He doesn't want to work weekends and have sectionals before school and after school. We are willing to trade time for money. We're willing to have him at home more because his identity is more in the four walls of this home than it is in his job. But so much and so often he believed it was in his job. It was hard to separate that. Well, because we live in a culture where success is defined Mm -hmm. by what we do, what we accomplish and how much money we have, how much money we make. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so again, that's one of those things where like, you're told all these things your whole life. Like I need to accomplish this, 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 and this in order to be successful and therefore be happy. And then Mm -hmm. once you do that, once you make it, first of all, we might beat ourselves up along the way if we don't, if we don't have this or we don't have that. Right. But once we finally like do have it, wherever you are on that kind of checklist, mm-hmm. you might recognize that you're not actually happy because you're, you're living somebody else's expectation of yourself, yep. somebody else's image of what, of what your life should look like versus your own. And my husband, as we mentioned before we hit record, my husband had lost his job. He lost he lost three jobs in a row during the pandemic. And that was mm-hmm. for all different reasons, right? One was just flat out mm-hmm. pandemic when they were just laying people off. One was he was hired for one job, but then the role shifted. His actual boss left the company um. and the role shifted. And he was now supposed to be doing like a marketing job when he was like hired to do like an HR position or something like mm-hmm. that. And it was just, it didn't, it, it didn't fit. It was like, right. he got like the, everything kind of, everything changed, the expectation changed. And so after a while though, of this happening kind of over and over again, he, for him, it, it creates this sense of worth. And mm-hmm. so, and negative self worth, and again, identity. Like there's some, there must be something wrong with me. Instead of maybe thinking like, okay, yeah, maybe this was wrong time, wrong place, or just a little bit of bad luck, right? But especially for men in our culture, certainly for women, but I think especially for men, it the the identity around 
work and the job and what you are expected from a societal perspective in order to accomplish and achieve is just like so sad sometimes. Yeah. And you really do need to strip out that the identity and the emotions behind it from like what it is at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, it's, it is just a job. And we -hmm. also feel rejected and we feel like, again, maybe if we're not earning up to our full potential, what we think we could be earning, we feel you know, not respected or, and then you kind of spill into this victim mentality (laughs) and it all has an impact. Like it has like a spiral effect. So I think it, Mm -hmm. again, it, it, this is something that I always say, it all starts with mindset. It all starts with ourselves. And again, being comfortable Mm -hmm. enough with ourselves that we don't really need that external validation, which is not an easy Mm -hmm. thing. I'm just saying in our culture. No, it's not. It is not. And then also being able to make those big decisions. Once you realize that being able to make the change, being able to maybe even quit a job that you don't love and have time off before you choose another job or being able to go down to a job that maybe pays less or moving to a different city and having those costs. All of that is made easier when you have a really good relationship with your money and you have your finances in order. I think that those decisions become no brainers. In the past, if my husband were to have gone from a job and take a seven to $8,000 pay cut per year to do an elementary school education job that allows him to have more time at home, we would not have been able to afford it. It would have been an immediate no for our family. No, you can't do that because we don't have the money or we haven't set ourselves up or we're still working to pay off debt. So knowing that we're living below our means, we haven't given into lifestyle creep, um, even though it's been incredibly tempting. Like as we've earned more money, we haven't necessarily increased those monthly expenses significantly. We have some, but not exponentially. So it allows it, this decision to be an easy one to make and we can trade that. And so it all comes back to when you put yourself in a good place with your money financially and you have a plan and you are living below your means, you can make those decisions more confidently. Isn't it fascinating how we let money control us versus mm, yes. us being in control? Like we we say all the time, I do. And if I do, again, I, what's personal is universal. So ev- there's so many other people out there that are saying this too, but you're just like, I can't afford that. Or mm-hmm. I can't do that. I really am not in love with the job that I'm at. I want to do something else, but I can't do that because- I need to be able to earn X amount of money or this Mm -hmm. I'm earning this salary right now. And if I do that, it's going to be a pay cut, Mm -hmm. but we don't actually like back into like, we just, and then we just let it be. And that's a limiting belief that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And so we don't actually kind of back into like, okay, well, what do I need to do to make that happen? Right. I think Mm -hmm. that's the step. Like we just stop the conversation right there and we don't take it a step further. Yes, exactly. Which is all like what my book talks about is what are the actual steps we need to take to make money just easier in our lives so that we can, I mean, honestly, just live the life that we want to live. It's not about having the most money and it's not about doing the most with your money. It's about having that empowerment and being able to make those decisions that truly come down to what you really want instead of what your money is telling you what to do. I have a, I have a really good friend who, um, they, they are both teachers. I mean, I'm friends with teachers cause that's who I spent my time around for so long. 
And she said she would love to for her and her husband to go work at the school district where they live. But that school district pays less and they cannot make them move because of their financial situation. And they yeah. it's it's as easy as being able to make simple decisions like that. Even if you're going from one job that might pay more, but then just being scared of like having to move across the country and the expenses that that brings up or just fear in general, just managing your money better can help you deal with the fear in a healthy way, I think. Or even making more. When I changed jobs, when my husband was in was unemployed, I got a pretty significant pay bump. And there's so much that goes with that, right? Imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. worthiness and not feeling smart enough and all the stories that I tell myself. So that's one thing, but it's also like, okay, well, now that that pay went up um, or even, you know, think of it as like a bonus, like one year you get a bonus, that's maybe a little bit more. And you sort of like get used to that. Then you feel again, boxed in, you feel stuck that like, well, I guess I have to do this forever because this is, Mm. this is affording my lifestyle right now. But when you change that story, when you kind of shift the parameters of this a little bit and you recognize that no, actually like I am in control. If I want to do something Mm -hmm. else, like nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. So I'm the one that needs to start implementing some of some Mm -hmm. other strategies or different kind of tools in order to make this work for me. And I can do that. That's the empowerment piece. I am in control and I can do what I want. Maybe not tomorrow, but (laughs) once I, once I had to have this plan in place. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the book. Let's talk about like how you coach people through this process. Absolutely. So my book is I'm just going to go out there and I'm just going to say that I do not believe in like truly cookie cutter plans, cookie cutter budgets, cookie cutter debt payoff systems. I believe that I believe everything is unique. We are unique people. We have unique situations. What I did myself, I might not advise someone else to do who's in a completely different life situation and that's okay. So money made easy is really Honestly, it gives you a system. It kind of fills you in on everything. Like here are all of the ways to pay, to write a budget that deal with the way you make money. So if you have a fluctuating income and it's variable, here's a system that you can try. If you have someone that's paid biweekly, here's a system you can try. And then when you get off track, here are some things you can do. Same thing when it comes to paying off debt and saving money. So it's less of a here is here it is laid all out for you and more of a choose your own adventure. Hmm. So if you when you look at your debt, let's say that you do have listeners that have debt and they say, you know what, I would love to be able to keep the extra $900 a month that I'm currently sending to my two cars and a personal loan. Like, what could I do with that extra $900 a month? It sounds amazing. The idea to keep all of that money instead of sending it away. Well, then they could go into the debt chapter, which is chapter five, learn about really reading what, what does this look like? What does it look like? The different options you have and choose the plan that best matches their life. One that they can stick with consistently. And I talk about that. I talk about how consistency is key in this book, in our journey, in our money journey, consistency is key. So what I can stick to might be completely different than what you can stick to. So find what you can stick to and choose that and lean into it. And I love what you said at the beginning about this being customized, right? Because this is, there is no one size fits all. I learned this Mm -hmm. in the work that I do every day. You're absolutely right. The guidance that you give to one person 
may work in their situation, but it may not work in another. And I cannot stand rules of thumbs mm-hmm. to be, to be perfectly <laughs> honest where everyone's like, Oh, well I should be saving this amount for retirement. And it's like, okay, great. But like, what does your retirement actually look like? What do you mm-hmm. want? Like what? And I feel like there, there's a step missing in all of this. And that's the intention. That's the values. Yes. That's the figuring out what it is that I actually want. And that is especially for women and moms in particular, not an easy task because I think that we tend to do everything for everyone else. And we think that our kids or our families are the priority for us. And we put ourselves at the bottom of the list and we, we just Mm -hmm. forget, like we are on this hamster wheel every single day doing everything for everybody else. And we forget what we even like to do or what we even want. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes our goals get our goals are, I don't really like the word goal. I like the word intention more like Mm -hmm. our intentions are wrapped up in somebody else's, right. Mm -hmm. What they, what they want or what they, we think that we might want, but we may not actually want. So I think doing that inner work is so incredibly important to this process and starting from there and then sort of backing into it from there. Right. Is that kind of how you start from the beginning with clients? Oh my gosh. Chapter one in the book is all about finding your why, finding your catalyst, finding the reason why you want to change. And I tell the story truly of how I, my catalyst, my reason was not me. It was not, it was, it was Evan. It was my oldest son. I wanted to change and make a change. And I finally had a strong enough reason, but it was something completely other than myself. But during the process, I learned that I am worthy of change. I am, I was worthy all along of the change for myself, but it wasn't until I had him that he taught me that. And it's, it's all about that. It's, I agree with you 100%. It's about intention in a world where we live, where everyone's telling us we need everything and everything is pulling at our at our attention. Everything's pulling at our money. Everything's pulling at our focus. It can be really hard to sit down and say, what is important to me? And so we talk about that in the book as well, because like for me, I don't really care what car I drive. Like that's not important for me. I don't care really about what car I drive. I don't care about the brand of clothes I wear or the purse I carry. I do care about other things. I care about trips that I'm going on with my family. I care about, um, you know, just spending my money in different ways. I care about having a housekeeper come and helping me out every other week that I would rather spend money on that than other things. And it's okay if someone else is different. It's all about finding what we intentionally want, but that takes the, it takes work, it takes journaling, it takes thinking through what do I actually want? Not what everyone's telling me that I want. And sometimes the people that are telling you they want what you want are your family and your friends. And it can be very well-meaning, but it can also be very blinding to us. Of course, because everybody wants what's best for us. I reference this all the time. So when I had just come back from maternity leave with my after having my first son, so first baby, just coming back from maternity leave, and my mother-in-law was babysitting for one of the days and And I remember her saying something to me, like, as I was getting ready to leave the house and I was having a hard morning already. And she was like, oh, it's Mm -hmm. too bad you even have to go to work. And I was just like, oh, oh my God. And I get in the car and I cry and I'm just like a mess. But I I know it was well-intentioned because Mm -hmm. in her mind, the baby should be with the mother. And, but I don't think 
that she really thought through kind of the impact that there's so many things that were triggered in me when she made that comment. And I think if I was more comfortable with myself, with the work that I was doing, and I felt more maybe fulfilled at the time, and this was a couple jobs ago, and I felt more confident in who I was and what I wanted, I think my reaction would have been different, right? Mm. I think I would be able to kind of handle those kind of comments from the world around us, well-intentioned or not, right? A little bit easier when I have more of a solid foundation in who I am and and, and what I want. And yeah, I think, um, I think that's a very vulnerable time for a lot of women, a lot of mom, you know, moms when our worlds are transitioning constantly, I think Mm -hmm. in general, I mean, that was very early on. And I still think that saying something like that to me now would still, maybe it wouldn't sting as much, but it would still sting to some extent. And I think that that just means that there is more work to be done. Right. Exactly. Well, and not to mention that I'm, I'm honestly a healthier mom when I am working. Yeah. Like I, I, as much as I wanted to be a stay at home mom, as much as I wanted that, I personally, and this is totally personal, right? I have friends who are stay at home moms and they thrive in that, in that job. I don't think I would thrive in that job. Like I think I would, I, I don't think that that would be good for me. I don't think it would be good for my, my family, because I need something else. Now, right now I have the, I feel like I have the perfect situation because I work from home. So I get to be present. I get to be home. I get to do the drop off and the pickup from school and my kids are in school. So when they're gone for the day at school, I'm working at home. So I do have that flexibility that I think really is what I was craving. I wanted the flexibility and I wanted the choice. I didn't have the choice because of my money. And because I couldn't afford it, I said, this is what you wanted and you can't afford it. And that's why it hurts more. Yes. I think. Oh, oh my gosh. You just hit the nail on the head right there. Like mm-hmm. we tell ourselves that we cannot have those choices. We cannot have flexibility. Mm-hmm. The feeling that I'm going for, the biggest craving feeling that I have is freedom. Being able mm-hmm. to come and go whenever I want and not be a slave to my emails or to my texts or to anybody mm-hmm. to just come and go as I please. Right. And I know that yeah. that to an extent is a little bit of a dream, but I mean, maybe there's some medium right in, in mm-hmm. the middle of all of this, there's some happy medium between all of that. And I think telling myself that I cannot do this because I am a slave to a job or I am stuck in the same cycle with money is so incredibly debilitating and it just yes. and, and stifling and, and, and victimy. And that's just a really terrible feeling. Like, mm-hmm. I hate feeling that way. Right. And again, yeah. I know I'm not alone. You felt it. I've, yes. I've like everybody out there has that. And I think, again, that's because if money is so there's such a stigma. There's such a taboo. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about it and we fear it. And again, mm-hmm. that's why I try to <laughs> create money isn't scary here, but it is ultimately, it is scary, but we mm-hmm. need to work through it and work through more of our beliefs around it mm-hmm. than, than the actual money itself, because it doesn't have to be that way. It, it's, yeah. To me, it's a tool. It's a tool in order mm-hmm. to allow us to live the life that we want. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. I think anytime it feels scary, it's like, 
what do they say? Fear is your brain's way of trying to protect you. Yeah. And so when, anytime I'm scared about something like that, I have to be like, okay, brain, thank you. Like, thank you for trying to protect me, but I've got this. Like I can right. do this. I need to look at the facts and the data and the numbers. Like, thank you for your protection, but I'm going to do this because I know it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to go forward with this. And I think that sometimes we just have to have that. And you know what? <laughs> I can't do that myself all the time. Sometimes I have to go to my husband. And I have to be like, I'm overthinking things and like my emotions, yeah. like I'm, I'm really stressed out about this one thing, or I'm really scared or frustrated or overwhelmed with this one thing. Like, I just need you to talk some real with me because here's what my, cause I, cause I'm, my brain is thinking these crazy thoughts and I need you to help me realize that those thoughts are not true. Yeah. Let's bring it back to like baseline here. Right. Exactly. And, and because sometimes our mind just spirals literally even just last night, I woke up at like two in the morning and my husband also happened to be awake. And so we were both like on our own kind of trying to go back to sleep, but he was like, mm -hmm. are you awake? And I was like, yes, my brain's swirling. And he's like, mine too. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? And then it just, I don't know. And then we'd be quiet for a little bit. And then he'd be, <laughs> again, are you awake? Yeah, I'm awake. <laughs> and because we're both thinking about this stuff. And some of that stuff did come up. I'm like, I'm just going to be mm -hmm. raw. Cause this is the stuff that, that keeps you up at night that goes through your head yeah. at two in the morning. And you do need somebody to you know, spot check you and realize that, okay, is what I'm thinking, is this fact or is this just, mm -hmm. again, my brain's way of trying to keep me safe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before we start to wrap up, let's just talk a little bit more again about the book. Like what's the ultimate goal here? Have you had people that you've worked with who have gone through the process and have you seen kind of successfully get to the other side, fill those goals or fulfill those intentions. And I'd love to hear like examples of just oh how gosh. you help people through this. Yes. So that's exactly the purpose of the book. I've had one person that's gone through, well, I mean, more than one person, but I'm thinking of one person in particular where she never looked at her money because it was always scary. And they, she and her husband, the family, they made good money, honestly, like they, they made good money, but they never felt like they had anything left over. And then there was also the desire to spend just very impulsively. So going through the entire process of learning how to write a budget, pay off debt, save money, start honestly investing. It was very freeing for her and for him, their communication improved. She has a plan now to pay off all of her student loans as soon as they can. And they've already started investing and and they discovered actually like what they were investing in was like 90% bonds that he had set up as okay. a like 28 year old man <laughs> investing in like 90% bonds. So yeah. it was like this awareness of, okay, wait a minute. Like I, it's okay that you didn't know what you were doing. So it's just about learning and making small decisions. So that way you can create a system, honestly, that you can follow through with with your money that helps you be intentional, spend based on your values, reach your goals, and honestly, just not hate your life in the process. I was going to say also not be restrictive, still allowing you, yes. you to be able to like go out to dinner or go to a yoga class or do the things that you want to do, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And so in the book, you kind of outline a process in order to help people figure out like what's the right maybe percentage of my mm -hmm. overall disposable income that can be allocated towards something like that. So you're not constantly, again, being restrictive and craving something yes. and telling yourself, I can't have that. I can't have that. Exactly. It's about finding a balance with your life. So that way you can make money easy for the rest of your life. 
that's what it's all about. I love it. I love that. And it, that goes right back to the title, which is perfectly yes. named Money Made Easy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Please tell everybody how they can learn more about you, where they can get the book. You have a podcast mm-hmm. as well. So please feel free yes. to just share everything. Of course. So you can get the book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I'm not sure when this podcast is airing, but it should be out by April 4th available now for pre-order you can go to inspirebudget.com slash money made easy and grab it there as well if you like podcasts which i'm guessing you do because you're listening to this one i have my own podcast as well it's called the inspired budget podcast i'd love to have you listen and then you can follow me on social media inspired budget i share um, these really popular real people budgets where I take real people's numbers and budgets and I share them and I walk through like how they can pay off debt or save or invest. Um, And they are really fun and engaging. And yeah, I'd love to have you come check it out. Absolutely. I've listened to several episodes of your podcast and it's a lot of fun. You have some really great interviews on there as well. So everybody should definitely go check it out. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun. It was so great. Thank you for having me. 